0: Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda.
1: And I'm Julia. And this is episode 194, Sailor
0: Superstitions.
1: Oh, hell yeah. Um, I have a great story as
0: to why we did this one, but you have to wait until we get into the episode to find that out. I loved this episode and I've been thinking about it in the uh, stormy days since we've recorded it. Yes, it has been
1: a bit of a stormy couple of days, but honestly, I kind of like it. It's better than being
0: hot all the time. So true. And do you know, Julia, who are always the perfect temperature? Is it our new patrons? Our new patrons, Jordan, Zara, Daisy, and Alyssa. Welcome, and thank you so, so much for your support. You join the ranks of our distinguished supporting producer-level patrons, Philip, Alicia, Deborah, Hannah, Jen, Jessica, Keegan, Landon, Megan Linger, Megan Moon, Molly, Mr. Folk, Neil, Nikki, Phil Fresh, Polly, Sarah, and Skyla.
1: And Amanda, do you know who always has a frozen margarita in
0: hand? Sometimes they're
1: virgin. I don't judge.
0: Is it our legend-level patrons, Audra, Avonlea, Chelsea, Clark, Donald, Drew, Eden, Francis, Jack, Marie, Josie, Lada, Mark, Morgan, Necrofancy, Sarah, and up Scotty. It is. They even sometimes have those avocado ones that are like kind of creamy
1: because you add full chunks of avocado into it. Oh, dang. Yeah. Let's try that. Delicious.
0: And Julia, this weekend, I spent some time up on my roof trying to soak in um, a a day that was just under 85, uh, which is <laughs> rare these days. And I was listening to a new podcast that I thought I'd recommend to all of you today. Ooh, what is it? This is called Black in Appalachia. I had the great pleasure of working with a couple of these hosts back in January uh, at a class I gave. And it is a fantastic show. It's part of a broader project that includes like community events and photography. And you can find all of those along with the Brand new podcast at blackinappalachia.org or in your podcast player. That sounds great. I'm going to have to check it out. It is absolutely fantastic. And no matter if you're enjoying the weather outside or staying safely indoors, if you have about 10 minutes to spare, we would really appreciate your help in learning more about our podcast audience and deciding what should come next for Spirits and for Multitude. That's right. It is our annual survey season, my favorite time of year, because we get to ask wonderful questions and get a ton of data, uh, which is hard to come by in podcasting. So if you go to multitude.productions slash survey or click the link in the episode description, we would absolutely love your help. It takes about 10 minutes. You can do it on mobile or on desktop. It can be anonymous or you can enter your info to get uh, emails from Multitude and and updates on what's coming next. A lot of good stuff in store, especially over the next month or so. So we are very excited and all of that is made possible by knowing what you, our audience, are looking for. So please let us know, survey.
1: And if you finish it, Amanda, is it true that there is a
0: cute photo at the end? There is a cute photo at the end, indeed. It's, it's a great gift to the people who finish the survey. <laughs> so thank you all so much, those of you who have done it already and those who are about to. We, we really appreciate it. We salute you. So without further ado, everybody, please enjoy episode 194, Sailor Superstitions. So Amanda,
1: a couple of weekends ago, I went sailing with my mother on kind of like a rough day on the bay and the weather managed to get worse in like 10 minutes while we were out there. And fun fact, we actually managed to capsize our boat while we were tacking to try to get back to the beach. Ah, beans. Yeah, so that wasn't good. So we were hanging out on the flipped hull of the boat, waiting for someone on shore to kind of notice that we flipped and come get us. And I kind of joked with myself that I must have done something to piss off the ocean or the various deities that controlled the deep blue sea. Uh, eventually, the Coast Guard had to come and get us. So that was fun. <laughs> but that inspired my choice for this episode. And that is Sailor Superstitions. I love that. Amazing. I'm fine, by the way. My mother is fine. It was like a brief hour of panic and trying not to, like, convince myself I was going to drown. And then we were fine. So everything's good. You're both capable sailors. We are. We are. I did have to keep my mother calm because she did panic a little bit. But it's really nice to know that I can stay pretty calm under pressure, all things considered. That's awesome. Yeah. So... Amanda, European sailors throughout the generations have, as a rule, been very superstitious types, which is understandable to me, at least. The sea is a fickle mistress, uh, and you want to appease her as much as you can. In fact, even to this day, fishers and fishing workers have the second highest rate of mortality on the job, surpassed only by loggers. Wow! So if a couple of rituals could help them avoid the dangers of the sea and what that
0: job entails, I don't blame them for acting on it, right? No, not at all. And my mom is a professional lifeguard, uh, ocean lifeguard. So I grew up on the ocean hearing about you know she would like sniff the wind and be like ah yes uh, a tropical storm it does blur almost into prediction like the the ways that we look at the environment around us and figure out what's happening can seem magical if you don't understand what's happening from the outside and sometimes it is a sense of intuition so it makes a lot of sense to me that the the kind of that it's a continuum and not a hard line between you know weather pattern prediction or using the signs around you to figure out how to survive the night or the day and and something that we would categorize as superstition.
1: Well, that's a great point, Amanda, and brings me to my next segue, which is a decent amount of these superstitions actually have practical advice that comes from them. So I would love to hear as I'm giving you these superstitions, your guesses as to what the reasoning behind them might be as we go. All right. Sounds
0: like fun. Sounds great. It is so humid here that I feel like a boat sailing through the air. Mm -hmm. Um, So this just is a, a great topic. Awesome. So I'll start with ones
1: that I've personally heard growing up around the water, and I'm sure you've heard a couple of these as well, Amanda. So you've probably heard red sky at night, sailor's delight, red sky at morning, sailors take warning, right? That is the one I have heard. Yes. Yes. So the idea that if at sunrise the sky turns red, it's most likely that the water is going to be dangerous that day. Now, what do you think the reason is behind this?
0: I think that when the air is more humid, indicating incoming uh, precipitation, that something about the way the light refracts. Um, makes the sky appear redder.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. So it's basically, it's pretty scientifically accurate. Yeah. So if the sky is red in the morning, it is assumed that a storm is approaching from the west. Clear skies over the horizon to the east permit the sun to light the undersides of moisture-bearing clouds, and the chances of rough waters and storms is obviously higher. So a red sky at night, though, means that a westerly wind will most likely bring clear skies by the morning. Hey. There you go. It's pretty Dependent
0: smart. Dependent on your
1: hemisphere, I'm sure, but yes. that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but pretty smart, all things considered. If It's mostly, like I said, this is mostly European sailing superstition. So this is like crossing over the Atlantic, typically. Another that I've heard a lot, and it's considered both unlucky and lucky for various cultures, whether on a ship or not, is Whistling. Hmm. So you
0: want to take a guess as to why that might be lucky or unlucky? Uh, I mean, it's it's hard to say. I guess you could be thought to communicate with spirits and placate them or announce your presence um, or to the wind, maybe, because whistling you know, can often sound much like wind. Or maybe it's a bad thing and you don't want to draw attention to yourself or accidentally say in wind language, uh, you know, hey... Motherfucker, come get me. Man, are you sure you weren't a sailor in a past life? I grew up on the beach, Julia, as you know. are certain things... Just seep into you like sand into your beach bag. So you're you're very close.
1: Uh it was said that whistling could bring winds, which increases them and makes the ship move faster through the waves. However, other stories say that whistling on board was challenging the wind itself and was inviting the sea to bring about a storm. There you go. Additionally, whistling was considered a bad omen on a ship, as the story goes that the mutiny on the HMS bounty was signaled to start with a whistle. Also, fun fact about mutinies. Oftentimes on ships, if the captain was being particularly cruel or unreasonable and the crew was considering a mutiny, they would begin to do like a low hum as a group as to warn the captain that if he continued down that path, a mutiny would be the result. And this was a really useful method of warning because it made it really difficult to track down like the ringleaders of the mutiny as they can simply stop the humming when approached only to pick it back up again when the captain or officers moved away.
0: And the lower frequencies echo. Damn. Yeah. That is some labor
1: organization type stuff. I I love that. right? We should be using that more often for like protests and stuff
0: like that. Truly.
1: It was also considered good luck, Amanda, to wear a gold hoop earring, which is why you see so many sailors and pirates throughout history and pop culture with said earring.
0: Do you want to guess why? My mind is kind of bouncing between metaphorical and practical. So on the metaphorical side, maybe um, it is a like a last handhold, you know, like if you are, God forbid, drowning or capsized. Um, some kind of like metaphorical tether to the earth to land um, as a you know like precious metal and just like the shape of the ring is like a a life ring Um, and then practically uh, I don't know if you are stranded you can use it to barter and buy passage home
1: again not too far off so um, this really does have a bunch of reasons so you kind of hit both nails on the head a little bit. So some of the earrings were given to sailors to celebrate their first pass across the equator. It was like a sign that you were now a seasoned uh, sailor, which I think is really cool. And some of those sailors and pirates believed that piercing one's ears could help prevent seasickness or help improve eyesight. I've heard that. There's no real like actual science behind that, but it's something that they believe. The story that I've always heard, though, is that a gold earring was used as payment. So if a sailor was to wash up on shore after drowning, he was supposed to be given a proper burial and the person who does the burying was then permitted to take the earring as payment for the task. Hey. Because it was like considered like the worst thing for a sailor is to drown and not be given a proper burial.
0: Yeah, these sailors in particular, I'm sure for others that's a, a fitting um, you know a, a fitting laying to rest. sure.
1: It's just like your your bones never lay to rest if they're just getting eaten by crabs and stuff at the bottom of the ocean. It
0: makes I, I find that pretty pretty uh, metaphorical and beautiful yeah. myself.
1: It's also considered really bad luck if you don't bury the body but just take the gold earring and the sailor's supposed to haunt the person who does that. So don't oh, do I'm that. <laughs> Honor the agreements, the rules that are set down by sailors, and of course, Amanda, there is the kind of sexist idea that a woman on board was considered unlucky. But why is that?
0: I mean, if we're if we're accepting the sort of woman as object here, given the the yeah. you know, lens of the folklore, um, it's sailors. It maybe. Um, Maybe there was something about obviously like jealousy and infighting among the crew. Mm-hmm. Fine, um, maybe a sort of tie to like the the siren, you know, mermaid-esque like seduction spirits of the ocean. And then thirdly, um, I don't know, maybe maybe they thought that that would like bring on more raiding or or you know piracy if someone wanted to like take a woman captive.
1: Okay, that's. Pretty, pretty close, all things considered. Logically, captains understood that having a woman on board would probably distract the crew and they wouldn't be as prepared or focused as they could be, which obviously, of course, ignores the idea that one, not everyone is straight and really plays into the terrible trope of like men can't control themselves around women, you know? Right. Weirdly, though, naked women on board, totally OK, totally fine. Though, like, one would think that it would be even more distracting. But the sailors, they're just there's just strange
0: like that. You mean like a figurehead? Or a statue? Uh,
1: Well, one, like an actual naked woman, but also, yes, figureheads and statues. So supposedly naked women could calm the sea, which is why you more often than not, like you just said, you would see a naked woman as the figurehead on the bow of a ship. And that was done in hopes that the sea would then be placated by those sweet wooden boobs. (laughs) Neptune's like nice carry on however it was said that she had to be carved or painted with open eyes as she was expected to lead the sailors and the ship to safety if you paint her with closed eyes no good makes sense now Amanda I I know you as a uh, well-read person probably know the story of the albatross right uh yes mostly through you actually oh really okay so this is a story that comes from the rhyme of the ancient mariner by Samuel Taylor Coleridge Now, the reason why it was distinctly unlucky to kill an albatross is because they were said to carry the souls of dead sailors. Seeing one was actually supposed to be good luck. Uh, One would assume it means like one of your mates who passed away is watching over you. You know what I mean? Yeah. However, reports say, like historical reports say that uh, sailors would regularly kill and eat albatrosses, especially if there was very little remaining food in the stores.
0: Yeah. I mean, they're big birds, right? Yeah, they're big. They're like I feel like they're just like
1: very big seagulls is a good way to yeah. describe them. <laughs> Sailors obviously are going to risk being unlucky so long as it means they can eat at the end of the day. And I understand yeah. that. Rather be unlucky and alive. Exactly. I would rather be unlucky and alive and live to see another day. Come what may, as long as I get a meal at the end of the day, you know? Yes. Now, Amanda, these are just the ones that I've heard of before. But let's dive into some of the ones that I hadn't heard of right after we dive into our refill.
0: Julia, we are sponsored this week by Skillshare, one of our oldest sponsors and one of my favorites. Don't tell anybody else. We love them. Skillshare is an online learning community that has thousands of classes on everything from baking to photography to entrepreneurship to social media. And no matter if you're trying to brush up for your job or a future job or learn more about a hobby that you want to take up, Skillshare is there for you. They have really digestible and beautiful video classes. There's a forum where you can connect with other students and your instructor, and the ability to upload projects so you can sort of as like accountability partners upload whatever it is that you're working on. One class that I took this week in really enjoyed is a beginner's guide to baking butter cakes because I saw a photo uh, on Instagram of somebody's absolutely delicious butter cake. And it's a thing that when you have the perfect one, it's just so perfect. So I really enjoyed getting deeper into baking this one particular thing, which is, you know, it's hard to search online and kind of learn about best practices. You normally just kind of see like one recipe. So learning from instructor Amy Kimmel about butter cakes and how to do that. I went about reverse creaming. It's amazing. Amanda, I can't wait to see you in person again so that you can feed me with all of the baking techniques that you've been learning lately, especially because of Skillshare. Absolutely. So if you go to Skillshare.com spirits two, that's spirits in the number two, you can get two free months of Skillshare premium, which has unlimited access to all the classes they have to offer. That's Skillshare.com spirits two. Man, how's your brain going? How's it doing? Oh, Julia, some, some stormy seas up there sometimes.
1: Well, it's a good thing, Amanda, that I know that you use BetterHelp, which is secure online counseling. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And I know, Amanda, that it's been a really great experience for you. You can start communicating with that therapist in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not a self-help line. It is professional
0: counseling done securely online. Yeah, no matter if you're on a ship at sea with cell service or at home, you can get therapy wherever you are at a time that works for you, which is such a big hurdle in finding traditional offline counseling. It's the cost, it's scheduling, it's going somewhere else. And if you have to switch counselors, it's like a whole nother rigmarole. So I really appreciate that BetterHelp is A, more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and also they offer financial aid, which I think is huge and just so classy. So if you go to betterhelp.com slash spirits, betterhelp.com slash spirits, you can join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional.
1: Yeah, BetterHelp is even recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states because so many people have been utilizing their service and that just shows how great they are. So again, Spirits listeners can get 10% off their first month by going to BetterHelp.com slash Spirits. Again, that's BetterHelp.com slash Spirits for 10% off. Now, Amanda, during quarantine, I was getting really sick of my hair and I was just thinking about cutting it all off. But all of that changed after I started using function of beauty because now my hair, instead of being like ratty and dry and frizzy, is now gorgeous and beautiful and wavy and I'm majestic. And I love it. And it's all
0: thanks to function of beauty. I think you would look great, Julia, with, with uh, very short hair as well. And I have very short hair. And I've also really enjoyed function of beauty. I feel like when you have very short hair, it's easy to just kind of like buy a, a men's two-in-one, um, you know, shampoo conditioner and just get on with it. But I have loved the fact that function of beauty makes hair care that's formulated specifically for you. So I could say like, yes, I have short hair. It's very thick. It's very straight. Uh, You know, I want it not to be frizzy or whatever your kind of goals are with your own hair. Function of Beauty has over 54 trillion ingredient combinations possible. That's
1: incredible.
0: It is truly incredible. They have a quick but very thorough quiz online, very beautifully designed and very soothing looking to tell them about your hair. Next, they determine the right blend of ingredients. And you can even make your kind of custom bottle the color that you want, the scent that you want, put your name on it. It's really amazing.
1: Yeah. Plus, all of their formulas are vegan and cruelty-free, which is a big thing for me. And they never use sulfates, parabens, or any other harmful ingredients. They are not only the first ever custom hair care brand; it is the internet's top-rated customized hair care brand with over 40,000 real
0: five-star reviews and counting. One of them is mine. Hey, absolutely. When picking new sponsors, we always research them to kind of see, you know, what what people's opinions are and if it's a product people enjoy before we even try it ourselves. And this passes both tests, where people really love this product and so so do we. So go to functionofbeauty.com slash spirits to take your four-part hair profile quiz and save 20% on your first order.
1: Yep, that's functionofbeauty.com slash spirits for 20% off and let them know that you heard about it from our show. Hey, tell them
0: you like spirits. Exactly. So go to functionofbeautycom spirits for that discount and to let them know you came from us. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durban Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands on off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall
1: credit card bill. And now let's get back to the show. So Amanda, it seems appropriate for this episode to imbibe a classic cocktail for sailors, especially the ones that sailed in the Atlantic and the Caribbean, and that would be grog. Ooh. Do you know what grog is, Amanda? I don't. Tell me more. So originally it was created as a way for sailors to stretch out their ration of rum. And additionally, because they use lime juice, it was supposed to help fight off scurvy. So a traditional grog recipe includes lime juice, brown sugar, dark rum, and water. And the water was used to water down the rum and not use as much when the stores were low. So I think it's like one part rum to five parts water. So it's like,
0: it's a pretty mellow drink, but it is traditional and delicious. It is very sippable. And that is my favorite quality in a drink. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is. It's sweet. It's a little tangy and it's a little spiced and it's not too strong. I know. I used to really enjoy rum and Cokes when I was drinking underage as a youth, um, <laughs> but I have lost my taste for soda. So it is it is sort of a similar feeling. And I think I might use sparkling water next time just to, uh, you know,
1: change it up. There you go. It's a great idea. I feel like this is, in fact, like a really good, like, just out on a boat or out at the beach kind of cocktail because it's not going to dehydrate you as fast as, like, higher alcohol content would.
0: Totally. You can also like mix it all in the thermos and then add the water as you pour. Smart. Meaning that you can fit more drink in your day. Yeah. I think it's just a good batch cocktail too, which is
1: important, especially during summer and especially when you're, you know, making cocktails for multiple people.
0: Totally. Or like us, two cocktails over the course of a day per person. There you go.
1: (laughs) So let's get into some sailor superstitions and practices that I personally hadn't heard of before. Let's talk first about the line crossing ceremony.
0: Oh, is this where where they cross over um, datelines or the equator or, like, yeah, latitude? It is. So we talked earlier about a how the mark of a sailor's first crossing of the
1: equator was the gold hoop earring. But that's not the only thing that was done in order to celebrate the crossing of
0: the equator. Now, Amanda, do you want to guess why this is, like, made such a big deal? Uh, I mean, were there, like, colonialist assumptions about what is, like, the world and, like, the unsettled world? Uh, not quite. I I can see where that's coming from, but not quite.
1: So first off, it was used as a way of boosting morale. Chances are, if you were crossing the equator from Europe, it means that you were on a particularly long journey. So you're just like, come on, guys, this is going to take like a year for us to get to (laughs) Australia. So we might as well celebrate a little bit. It was also said to be a test by the more experienced sailors to make sure that the new crew members would be able to handle the long journeys at sea. So in British tradition, sailors who had not yet crossed over were given the choice of either giving up their wine or rum allowance for four days, (laughs) which is rough, let me tell you, or had to go through the process of ducking three times. So ducking is basically where a sailor is tied to a chair and then dunked under the water along the side of the ship as it's
0: sailing. I mean, that sounds dangerous.
1: Yes. This is similar to but decidedly less taxing than the typical nautical punishment of keel hauling, which is where they're just like tied a rope around their waist and dragged along the side of the ship for like 10 seconds at a time, which usually leads to their skin being all messed up by the barnacles on the side of the ship as they're being dragged. But that was like severe punishment. That's like you got into a fight with an officer kind of punishment. Jeez. Yeah. In the US Navy, those who have not crossed the equator before are referred to as polywogs, while those who have crossed already are known as shellbacks or sons of Neptune. Those who quote-unquote survived the crossing of the equator then received a equatorial baptism, which was done by a senior sailor who's usually dressed up as Neptune, like full beard, like covered in seaweed, that kind of Aww. thing. While they don't duck sailors anymore, the crossing is still something that is practiced and celebrated, and it's typically a two-day affair.
0: You know, th- it really just uh, reminds me that now in our um, in our social distance lives, it is important to find occasions to mark the passing of time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, the first of the month is very exciting for me because there are uh, new fish and bugs in Animal Crossing, <laughs> and my budgeting app rolls over to a new month, um, and Pokemon Go might have new things in store. So, you know, I get it, and, and I, I see why. I get it, yep. It,
1: when you're on a boat for a very long time and don't have shore leave, oh boy, you got to find something to, to differentiate the days. So Amanda, here's one that I had never heard of before. As a sailor, you weren't supposed to cut your nails or your hair while you were at sea. Any guess as to why?
0: I mean, A, maybe it's a badge of honor to see how long you've been at sea. Um, but B, I don't know, just just unlucky. Like I, I can't think of a reason behind it.
1: So this one's actually really, really interesting, and I really like this. So apparently nail and hair trimmings were often seen as offerings for proserpine, which is the Roman equivalent to Persephone. And to make an offering to another deity besides Neptune while on a ship would only enrage him further.
0: Oh. Isn't that interesting? Fascinating. Yeah.
1: So apparently this association between Proserpine and hair is that when a person died, a lock of hair was cut from their head and given as an offering to the goddess as a way of preserving the memory of the deceased.
0: Oh, that's sweet. That is nice, right? So don't cut your hair while you're on a ship. That bad. Don't do that. I mean, I see how Neptune would not want uh, hair and nail clippings to be thrown into his ocean. <laughs> yeah, I think that's
1: part of it, too. Just be like, hey, hey, bud. I'm just thinking of all the pirates with, like, very long nails now. Yeah. No, it's, uh, that explains why. Yeah. So, Amanda, here's one that I consider particularly ironic. So, having a woman on board on the ship, as we talked about before, considered unlucky. But the birth of a child on a ship was supposed to bring good luck.
0: I mean, that sounds very dangerous and not ideal for all involved.
1: Yes, I agreed. There was actually an old practice during particularly difficult births at sea, where if the baby just, like, would not seem like it was coming in a timely manner. The mother would be placed between two cannons, which were then fired. And it was said that the sound or the force would help the child just like pop right out of there.
0: Oh Lord. I mean wow.
1: Yeah. Uh and actually the resulting child is a phrase that you've probably heard before because he is considered a son of a gun.
0: Really? Yeah, that's where that
1: comes from. Wow. Isn't that neat? That is really neat. I I really enjoy learning word origins. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Most of the time when a pregnant woman is on board a ship, and particularly like a a military ship during the time period that we're talking about, it's because like her husband or her lover snuck her on. (laughs) I was just like, shh, don't tell anyone, but I got my wife here. Cute. But women weren't the only type of people who were considered unlucky to have aboard. Priests were also considered distinctly
0: unlucky to have on board. It's just like waiting for a funeral. Is that the idea?
1: You know what? That's part of it. Yeah. So for one, wearing black was considered unlucky on a ship and having priests aboard was considered to be like inviting death since they were the most likely to preside over funeral
0: services got that one. That's really interesting. I didn't think about um, wearing black. How does that kind of square with the image of a black clad um, pirate then? Just like pirates just do that sometimes. Are like, fuck you, convention, let's yeah. do it. Yeah,
1: pirates are either like very superstitious or it's like, fuck everything, I do what I want. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> Additionally, priests were often considered Jonah's by sailors, meaning that a person on board who is a bad luck and is named after Jonah from the Old Testament. So if you don't know the story, Jonah was called to warn the people of Nineveh like uh, that there's like some impending divine wrath coming. But instead, Jonah boarded a ship that was not going to Nineveh and the ship is caught in a terrible storm and Jonah has the crew toss him overboard where he is then swallowed by a giant fish. That's true. So because clergymen are associated with Jonah, sailors thought that they would bring about wrath and destruction much like Jonah did to his ship. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, fun fact. But Amanda, not all religion was considered bad luck. There are several saints that were considered patrons to sailors and were to protect them while they were out at sea. Do you, do you know any sailor saints by any chance? I feel like St. Christopher for travelers, but I don't know if that's of sea in particular. That's not the one I have, but I, I, I appreciate the guess. They, they overlap sometimes. Yes. So first off is St. Nicholas, who was associated with calming rough seas uh, because he once calmed a storm with prayer. That's neat. There you go. St. Elmo, who was nearly struck by lightning while praying and continued to pray, is often evoked by sailors because they often have to endure harsh conditions and storms where close calls happen very often. Mm -hmm. St. Brendan the Navigator was said to have found the mythical St. Brendan's Island, uh, which was discovered while he was traveling across the ocean and evangelizing. And because St. Brendan was able to find an island that no other man could find, he's often called upon to help sailors arrive safely where they need to be. And then finally, St. Clement's cross, which is known as the mariners or anchored cross, was often used by sailors to signify hope or a fresh start because of Hebrews 6.19, which is, quote, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul be sure and steadfast and which entereth into that within the veil. So St. Clement was also martyred by being tied to an anchor and drowned in the Black Sea. And legend says that every year the sea retreats to reveal a divinely built shrine on the ocean floor that contains his bones. That would be very cool. like it's like, and there's his bones, not like his body (laughs) preserved. It's just like bones. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. And Amanda, guess what? Even fruits are not exempt from being unlucky on ships. Bananas were considered unlucky cargo. Do you want to take a guess as to why? Because proximity to a banana
0: makes other fruit rot faster?
1: Mm. Close. As you probably know from buying bananas at the supermarket, Amanda, they spoil very, very quickly, which means that in order to get to market before they could spoil, ships had to sail very quickly, sometimes forsaking safety in order to sell their stores before they go back. Makes sense. Additionally, if bananas were to spoil, they can rapidly ferment and give off gases that, while not toxic, push out oxygen w- as they're formed and make it very easy to choke and kill those who are left in a small space with them. So like if you were to oh, go geez. to the hold with a bunch of rotten bananas, you wouldn't yeah. be able to
0: breathe. Wow.
1: Yeah. There are also several stories, though no one can be sure as to what the cause is, of ships during the 1700s disappearing when they were laden with bananas as cargo. I just like that phrase, laden with bananas. (laughs) This might be more of like a correlation is not causation kind of thing, though. I'm sure there were plenty of ships that were carrying bananas during this period, and obviously the sea is very dangerous, but many sailors considered it as a sign that it was dangerous to carry bananas as cargo. And to this day, many ships, including fishing ships, like if you were to charter a fishing boat or something like that, will not allow bananas on board. However, this probably has something to do with the fact that like fast sailing ships with bananas in their cargo would move too quickly for any fishermen or sailors to be able to catch fish as they sailed. That makes sense. It does make sense, doesn't it? It's so what an
0: interconnected web.
1: Yeah, it just like kind of builds onto the lore of it, which I really, really appreciate. Yeah, for sure. Uh, here's actually some cute little ones related to love because most of these are just like not cute and a little negative sometimes. More of the avoiding death uh, variety, yeah. But it was said that if a woman saw a robin flying overhead on Valentine's Day, she will marry a sailor. Aw. that's very.
0: Sweet. I mean, there's also lots of robins everywhere, so that's fair. Uh, and probably lots of sailors everywhere. Fair <laughs> enough.
1: <laughs> but whether this was good or not is up to her for interpretation, I guess. Uh, just to have fun with it. Additionally, it was said that if she were to see a sparrow instead of a robin, she would marry a poor man and be very happy for the rest of her days. And if she saw a goldfinch. She would marry a rich man, but
0: no promise that she would be happy. (laughs) Maybe that is why Diana Tart's book is called The Goldfinch, Mm -hmm. in addition to other metaphorical meanings. I haven't read that book, but I probably. Wealth
1: equals not happiness is one of the themes. There we go. Yeah. Wealth does not equal happiness. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) So I think at some point I'd like to do a a couple of full episodes on more extensive sailor superstitions and beliefs. Like I would love to do a whole episode on Davy Jones, for example. Uh, If there is a sailor superstition that you, the listener, would like us to dive deeper into, hit us up on like Twitter or via email and I'll look into it. But at the end of the day, sailors have to be superstitious. They live dangerous lives. And sometimes it's extremely comforting to have both belief in something larger than you and the idea that you can do even little things to make your life safer and easier.
0: Makes a lot of sense to me. And I think a lot of time, um, you know, ritual and superstition are, again, kind of echoes of each other or on a continuum. And it's something that brings kind of pacing and comfort to our lives.
1: Yeah. And I think, like, especially now, You know, just the way that life is right now. The idea that you can do, like, one little thing as part of a ritual to make your life easier and safer is really comforting, you know?
0: It is. Like, I have a a ring that I wear every day that is for me just like a it's not luck exactly but it's just more comfort and if i you know need to like fidget with it or if i'm feeling iffy or just look down and have a reminder um you know that i've i've been through days like this and gotten through them and i'll get through this one too um maybe it does blur into superstition but to me i don't really need to label it because i know that it's helpful yeah
1: and i think like even something as simple as like wear a mask when you go outside You know, one, it's proven to help you be safer as many of the sailor superstitions were, in fact, like, you know, at least somewhat scientifically or experience based. And two, like creating that ritual and, you know, to the point where. You're not questioning it really. You're just doing it because you know it has kept you safe in the past, and it's going to
0: keep you safe in the future. I think is uh, something that we can all relate to at this point. Yeah, and it it builds kinship. So I I've been feeling this too. Like seeing people wearing masks outside, um, makes me feel like yes, we're all in this together. You are doing your part. I am doing my part. And you know, we we know that we are doing what we can. Um, and it it feels good. It makes you feel like you're in community with somebody. And I imagine that for us now who feel all kind of moored in our own, you know, small ships sailing through uncertain waters. Um, and for sailors who did that centuries ago, it's really valuable. And that's why we do it. I think
1: that could be like our modern day gold hoop earring. You know what I mean? Where it's like you see someone else out there wearing a mask and you're like, ah. Oh. We are in this together. We we are seasoned veterans in fighting this pandemic. And I appreciate you doing your part and myself also doing my part.
0: Yes. Did your captain dress in seaweed to mark your first equator crossing? Mine did. Mine did. He had a big fake beard on and it was delightful. Do you have a routine now for uh, boiling and uh, and hanging your mask to dry? I do.
1: Yes. No, I, I put it in my laundry whenever I do my laundry, which is like twice a week now. You know, just to just to keep on top of it and also give me stuff to do.
0: Do you match your masks to your outfit for the day?
1: I sure do. I love looking at other people's masks and be like, oh, that's a cute pattern. I really like that. Or being like, dang, that that looks
0: that looks really cute. And it matches your skirt. Adorable. You know, you got to look for those upsides where you can find them. Yep. Yep. And also uh, beware bananas. Beware bananas. Wear a mask. uh, Do your part. And remember, everybody. Stay creepy. Stay cool. Thanks again to our sponsors at Skillshare.com/spirits2. Spirits in the number two. You can get two months free of Skillshare Premium at BetterHelp.com/spirits. You'll get ten percent off your first month of counseling, and at FunctionofBeauty.com/spirits, you can get twenty percent off your order.